This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode 13. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hello there, ass kickers, and welcome to episode 13 of the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. And again, I say it every single time I start a podcast, but I'm very excited because today my guest is Kate Courageous. Say hello, Kate. Hi, everybody. (laughs) So I'm going to read your professional bio, make you sound all profesh. Here we go. Kate Courageous is a life coach, writer, and speaker who teaches people how the practice of courage is revolutionary. Since 2009, thousands of people have visited yourcourageouslife.com to learn more about working with fear and practicing courage, with the core message being that when you're trying to eradicate fear or pretend that it doesn't exist, you're working against yourself. Her approach is a sexy, soulful combination of intuitive spirituality with brass tacks, pragmatic wisdom. She defines courage as feeling afraid, diving in anyway, and transforming. And I also want to add that Kate is going to be my very first guest expert this month for Your Kick-Ass Crew, which is my brand new membership program. Registration opens on Thursday, September 12th. And you can find more about that at yourkickasslife.com forward slash crew. And so, so this is the part where I tell everyone how, how I found Kate. So I, and, and Kate was someone that I sort of, I, someone introduced me to you and I, I kind of watched you from afar, like kind of when, when like you're a freshman in high school and there's like the senior girl and she's really pretty and smart and nice to everyone. She knows everybody. <laughs> And then I was internet stalking and then I I was like, oh, she, you know, she teaches everyone about courage and she talks about fear. And I was like, so, so hoping that it wasn't going to be teaching people how to completely eradicate it from your life and then found out you were awesome. And no, you don't talk about that. But so this is like my favorite quote from, from your website and I lifted it from your website. Your courageous life sounds the call for you to revolutionize your life. From within through practicing courage, Kate defines courage as feeling afraid, diving in and transforming. So I knew I had to talk to you. And then, and then of course I didn't do anything or or email you. And then a few months ago, I got an email from you. So why don't, I hope you remember. So why don't you tell me how we actually finally connected? Well, the funniest thing ever to me was I, I emailed you and Amy and I'm like going, hey, like you guys are up to good stuff. And then for those who like adore you guys and have known you longer, everybody's going to crack up when they hear this because they, I asked you, so are you going to be at WDS? <laughs> <laughs> and if you've seen the, the uh, part two of uh, Shit Life Coaches Say, that is one of our lines. <laughs> and that was actually, I think, before we made that video. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It was so perfect. I could not believe it. And I'd seen the first shit life coaches say at that point. I had, I didn't realize that there was a part two. And, um, I mean, just shit life coaches say that you're, you guys are so spot on. It's scary and awful and horrible and like know, wonderful and fantastic all at the same time. So, um, 
yeah, that's, that's how we, how we, we met <laughs> me going, so you're going to be at WDS. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's funny. And that video really, uh, we, we were surprised that nobody had made that video before. And so that was, uh, almost, yeah, about 18 months ago when we were just, and then once we started creating the script for it, it was, it was about two pages long. There was a lot in that first video, which is like four minutes long that is on the cutting room floor that we didn't even use. Um, but yeah, fun. It, oh gosh, that was fun making that video. And I'm glad that that's what spawned our connection. I was just like, I mean, I have to know these two women you know? <laughs> and I, I kept seeing you guys, you know, it's the same type of thing, really like our story, your story about finding me. I'm sure it's, it's the same as mine about you. I internet stalked you and didn't quite reach out for, for a while. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like that internet thing that you do and yep. uh, that we all do. So yeah. For sure. So um, I would love, of course, fear is one of my favorite topics, and I talk about it a lot in the work that I do. And so, of course, I wanted to talk to you about it and and hear from from your mouth how you how you work with women. And um, again, another quote from from your website, and and this is definitely going to turn into a question. So this is from your website. You say the most powerful and exciting work that I've done is the work of radically reframing my relationship to fear and choosing to practice courage. I now understand how fear works, all the tricky ins and outs and disguises and internal narratives. When you understand something, it becomes your friend. So, I mean, that was one of the quotes I read and I was like, (gasps) yes, because what I've learned over the years in practicing the inner critic work is really that compassion is such an important aspect here. So can you talk more about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, you brought up the inner critic and so like, you know, from my perspective or philosophy, um, I use the term inner critic rather than monster or gremlin. Mm -hmm. The way I see the inner critic is that even though I'm, I'm very aware that inner critics show up and can sound really nasty, but the inner critic is a part of you and that if what people are doing is saying, oh, to improve my life, I need to recite affirmations until that critic is numbed out or I need to tell it to shut the fuck up mm-hmm. or I need to bash it. I'm going to bash my fear. I'm going to I'm never listening to my fear again. It's like I think that's what keeps people on what I call the self-help hamster wheel where mm-hmm. it's just a new year and the same old stuff or a new relationship, but the same issues have transferred from one relationship to another relationship. And I think that, um, that if there's any part of ourselves that we are trying not to own, we're trying to push away, that we are actually working against the principle that we're on this planet and that the work of, of life, the joy of life is to completely and totally love and accept ourselves. I don't think it works to say, well, I'm going to completely and totally love and accept myself, except for this piece (laughs) over here (laughs) that just doesn't really work for me. And in fact, I'm going to call it a monster or a gremlin because I don't know about you, but you know, if I'm trying to get along better with someone, if I'm trying to improve that relationship, um, if they're calling, if they're like, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll start improving this relationship monster. And they're like, (laughs) you know? I am going to have a harder time with that. So I really think it's about taking, seeing the fear as like this, this, this part of ourselves that has a wound and being very compassionate for the fact that that wound exists and, um, and really 
actually asking that part of ourselves to give it, to give us its wisdom. Because what I've found when I've investigated and when I've, and this is in working with clients. I mean, I've been working with clients since 06, which, you know, the longer that I'm a coach, the more I realize that to actually continuously be a coach for many, many years, it's like, I'm, I'm, you and I are getting archaic. Mm -hmm. I know, really. We're old school. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, um, this, this wounded part of ourselves actually had at its at its heart, at its core, really is, is just a protective mechanism. It has some good ideas. Mm-hmm. And that sounds shocking, right? Because like, you know, you're thinking of not, not you, Andrea, but like the second person you, you're thinking of, you know, going out there, doing something that means a lot to you, submitting a book proposal, writing a book, starting a business, going after, you know, the hot guy you've just met and actually letting him know you're interested, whatever that, that thing is. And then the inner critic comes up and is like, no, don't do that. Or, or, you know, inner critics can sound pretty nasty when they're really angry. Well, why not ask what's behind that? Because if you investigate it a little bit, what I often find when I'm working with a client is that what's behind it is, is an incredible wisdom. Your inner critic is your best friend with lousy communication skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this critic has your back. It is not going to let you get rejected. It is not going to let you get hurt again like that other time that it happened. It is not going to let you feel stupid. It, it, it's like, and if it has to tell you that you're a piece of shit to get you to not take that risk, that's what it's going to do. And so practicing courage, it's like, can you have the courage, practice the courage to love even that part of you? Can you listen to what it has to say? Can you treat it as a part of you that is absolutely worthy of love and respect? And again, when I talk about a relationship to fear, that's what I mean. If I'm trying to improve my relationship with someone, I've got to increase the trust. And so that means that I I got to walk in there going like, okay, I'm going to trust that you want good things as we try to repair this relationship, you don't want to be hurt. You want love. You want connection. You want all the same things I do. You're just going about it in a way that actually isn't very helpful to like the organism. So let's try to work on that. Mm-hmm. I guess the other metaphor that I use is to, to try to really express what, what that inner critic is going through is like the, the metaphor of the, the stray dog. Right. Like, you know, you get one of those dogs that has lived its life on the streets and been in a bunch of dog fights and like always had to dig through trash for food. And you, you get this dog to an animal shelter and everyone in the animal shelter wants nothing more than for that dog to be rehabilitated and go to a home where it's going to be loved. Mm-hmm. But what happens every time you extend a hand with food for that dog, that dog, unless it gets the right kind of help and the right kind of rehabilitation is going to snap any hand that comes near it because it doesn't trust. Mm -hmm. So it's really about like seeing like that, that dog is not bad. The dog has just suffered. And so not that I'm trying to call any of your lovely people dogs here, but (laughs) 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 just thinking about that metaphor, because sometimes it's easier to have compassion for, for that like external example. And now the, you know, for everybody who's listening, it's like, how can you transfer that same compassion to yourself? Even if there are places where you are just really feeling locked down and stuck around loving that part of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think it's, it's such 
And you know, it's funny because I'm, um, so many things I want to say. Let me organize myself here for a second. <laughs> I, I recently, I'm about to get my very first tattoo <clears throat> on my foot and it's going to say to thine own self be true. And I want another one. Um, I'm already thinking about my second one. I haven't had my first one yet on the inside of my arm, which is a little bit scarier because it's in, in more plain sight. And I want simply the word love on there because I am the type of person who, um, you know, the masculine part of me comes out a lot and I, I need to be reminded. It's literally as a reminder to myself to come, always come from a place of love. And really what you just said completely speaks to that because, uh, I did, an uh, exercise with a coach and she was my coach and she basically, it was probably the most powerful exercise I've ever done with a coach. And it's funny because I knew the, I'd done this exercise with my clients and I had never had it, someone do it to me. Uh, and it, she was basically asking me about, you know, she was like, can I talk to this inner critic? Mm-hmm. And what it came down to was exactly what you were talking about. It was a part of me. It was the very small part of me. And without sounding too new agey and self-helpy, uh, it was like the wounded child and really this little girl that just was scared and just wanted to completely protect me. And it's interesting because when I do that exercise with other women, most of the time that's what comes up. And really, I think it all comes down to love and we just want to be loved. And I, I kind of feel like that that part of us is we'll, we'll get it at any costs and the walls are put up to, to ward off any risk of not getting it. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I see that too. And, um, and that's part, and part of the courage practice is, is to really see that that's what's going on. That can be really hard to look at. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, it, it can. And I, I, um, I have found that that inner critic can put up a hell of a fight, like does not want to be looked at, doesn't want to be, I, I have found that inner critics really aren't a big fan of self-help and personal development. <laughs> yeah. I have a side of my inner critic that, um, I wouldn't say this is true, um, as much anymore, but for sure when I started, she was really sarcastic. She was like, just like, Oh, you want to love people, huh? Oh, isn't that <laughs> so cute? Well, the rest of us are going to be over here in the real world dealing with real shit when people are assholes, you know, like, you know, like just like you just go over Passive there. And aggressive. Like, yeah. It's like really, really like had this whole defense around it. And, um, and you know, like I just, Hey, you know, you, I blame it on being in California for over a decade. You know, I just became a hugger and a crier and I'm yeah. happier for it. So <laughs> I love that. So what do you, let me ask you, what, what do you think is the most courageous thing? Any, and this is a very broad, meaty question. What do you think is the most courageous thing anyone can do to transform their life? Exactly what we were just talking about being willing to love to extend compassion and gentleness and care towards that inner critic. Like there are all these different practices that can support that, right? Like mm-hmm. getting present meditation. Um, you know, there are books I can recommend workshops. I can recommend, you know, I can do all of those things for a client, but until a client is on board with the idea that it's not okay to hate, to resent, to blame, to the, 
that that inner critic side of themselves. Uh, once they really get on board with this idea that they can sort of shepherd that side of of themselves to something that's that's actually what that that aspect really desires at its core, that's really radical. That's hugely radical. And I'm, I mean, like I'm feeling almost emotional talking about it, just thinking of, I can't help but think of like moments when clients have had that experience and just the privilege it feels like to be a coach speaking with a client who's, you know, seeing someone, cause that's liberating, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's your liberation when you no longer need to fight against that voice and it is all about the commitment to completely and totally love and accept yourself. That is liberation. Yeah. What an amazing thing for you to witness too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure you see it all the time with your, your clients too. It's just like, I think actually those, it, I mean, you know, Oprah would call it an aha moment. Right. And I think that's why a lot of coaches become coaches is, you know, cause that, that witnessing and being part of that process is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really, really is. And so speaking of, of clients, I'm curious as to what, what do you think is the biggest, you know, maybe number one thing women struggle with in terms of courage and how can they start to overcome that? Hmm. Number one thing I'm trying to think. Um, I tend to, you know, there are, there are a lot of questions that I tend to answer differently depending on, on the moment. Hmm. So let me give you an idea. So my audience, a lot of my, the people that, um, that I work with and the, and listen to my podcast are, are heavily, um, they are perfectionists. They love control. They are super high achievers and they put a lot of extremely high expectations on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was more so trying to think in terms of the, like, like what I see showing up as a trend. Um, what, and what I mean by what I show up as what I see showing up as a trend, um, the reason I took a moment to hesitate is because I feel like they, you know, the internet kind of goes in waves. Like it seems like five or six years ago, the big thing was like, people didn't, you know, would say, I don't really feel like I have a creative outlet. And then other time, you know, it's like things kind of change. And I'm really trying to think of like, what seems to be showing up most right here and right now that I'm seeing as a general trend around the internet. Cause that's all I can speak to given mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't know who the individual is. It, everybody's different, but you know, what seems to be rising to the surface in this moment is, um, slowing down. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, it's yeah. really hard to catch those, the default responses, the inner critic messages and voices so that you can actually use a tool with it. If it's just like, go, 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 go. And slowing down and getting present is a huge challenge. And by getting present, I don't mean that somebody has to have, you know, some kind of perfect Zen meditation practice. Getting present can be, you know, like not being on your cell phone when you walk with your mm-hmm. you know, toddler to the park at the end of the day, um, being present to all of that. But something around slowing down, taking a moment just to breathe, just to contemplate, And that is a real challenge because we live in a culture and have so many people around us that are making demands or the marketing is such that you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. Yeah. 
And, and I, I feel like in, in, it's been in my experience that the inner critic is just, it, that is unacceptable to take a break, to not yeah. be uber productive. I know that, um, cause you and I had a hard time in the beginning of the summer nailing down a time for an interview. And I had decided to take some time off during the summer. And then I remember you emailed me and uh, we couldn't figure out a time. And, and I said, well, what about, um, I think I had suggested July or something. And you said, well, I'm actually going to take, uh, the summer off. So, and I was like, thank fucking God somebody else is <laughs> and me too, because I was making an exception because I really wanted to do this interview with you. And I had told myself, but you know, of course, then that voice comes in and says, but it's Kate Courageous. Like you really need to just don't, I mean, the break can wait, just fit her in. Like she's going to be the only one. And then starts the whole, because once I let that in, well, then I can do this and then I can do that. So it was so, it was, it was as if I was get you know, unsolicited kind of, you didn't mean to, but gave me permission to really, truly take a break. So I was so glad I, I just felt like it was contagious. So thank you. You didn't even know that until right now. <laughs> I didn't know that. And it, you know, I have a saying with my clients that you never know when just by being yourself, you're going to be somebody else's gift. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that, 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 um, was helpful to you too. And, you know, in terms of slowing down, I'm even thinking on the micro level, like, like to be totally transparent. I, and I love to be transparent about owning my fear, you know, just right now, you know, two minutes ago on this, this call, when you're asking this question and I'm like taking that breath, of course, there's the voice that pops up and is like, you have to have the answer ready. You have to, have the answer ready. You have to know exactly what you, you know, of course that voice comes up and it's like, all right, but or and, I try to swap my ands, um, and, you know, what's really rising to the top, and that's probably, to some degree, what's influencing my answer of, like, ah, yeah, slowing down, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, slowing down to take a breath and, like, really sink into what's true for me, um, but that, you know, particularly if we're talking about the inner critic, we could talk about courage and, and fear from a lot of different places, and what this call is really tending to look at is, like, the, the getting, I see is like the getting started phase. Like yes. I actually think fear moves on a continuum. So like when you're first trying to start something new, it's really at the beginning. And then it actually, once you get comfortable with working at the fear, with the fear at the beginning of a process, it moves to the end mm -hmm. or the middle or three quarters of the way through. Uh -huh. And so a really wonderful way just to get started with looking at your fear is to start slowing down enough to notice where you go into a space of default reactions. And I totally have that, you know, that inner critic slash inner kid wounded child that like, you know, her self-worth at one point was got to have the right answer. And mm -hmm. she still comes up and it's like just being gentle with that. It's like, okay, you know, it's, it's a podcast and it can be recorded. It's going to be okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh yeah. I, I can relate to that one as well. Like how, you know, got to know all the answers, um, got to do it. And, and it's it really interesting to me that, and I want to put out there for people listening that I, my, I just, in my own experience, I have made a complete transformation from the com so insecure and scared and really believing all of the, the inner critic voices and staying stuck because of that. I mean, that's how I was in 2005, 2006 and doing this work and, and constantly working on it and being compassionate and learning to love 
every single part of me, what we just talked about, the fear, my physical body, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll tell you something. And, and just like you were, you were sharing still to this day, it, like I, I always tell people like I've not arrived and there's not a checkoff list and there's not a place to get to. It is a continuous work in progress, but I can promise you that it gets better. It really, really does. So, um, with that, I am going to, to conclude our podcast and thank you so much for your time today. Mm, thank you for having me. It's so great to be here. And, um, and if you loved Kate, you can find her at yourcourageouslife.com. And if you would love to hear more, there will be, she again is my guest expert and we are going to be talking about concrete tools in, uh, in that. And to listen to that audio, you'll have to sign up for my membership program, which again, opens up on September 12th. And is there any last minute things that, that you need to say to be complete? I just want to, you know, really thank people for having the courage to actually really deeply listen to and contemplate these jumping off points, because that in and of itself is, um, really an act of, of gentleness and compassion and love for that critical part of you that we all have that wants to ease up and have some more fun. Yes. Thank you so much. And again, you can find more of her at yourcourageouslife.com. And until next time, ask kickers, I will see you next week. Bye-bye.